And we're going to welcome our lead pastor to the stage, Pastor Joe Source. Thank you, honey. Does she do a great job? Doesn't she do a great job? Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here with us this weekend. Those of you that are online, we welcome you. Before I get into the message for this weekend, I do uh, want to kind of observe something. It's a special weekend in our family, in our household. Um, this is the weekend that my lovely bride celebrates her birthday. Come on. Come on. This, this woman has been putting up with me for the past... 45, 46, probably, probably 47 years, a long time, amen, we, uh, yeah, and I know we look so young, yeah, but we first met, probably at, well, the first time I saw you, I was like 14 years old, yeah, um, we, we, my family had moved into this neighborhood, and four houses away from the house that my parents bought, was this family that had moved there many years before that and had this lovely young lady there and kind of like I always I always tell the story about the first time I, I saw her first time I laid eyes on her there were four girls her age all that hung out together and how many of you I know I'm going to be dating myself and probably most of you in the room wouldn't know what I'm talking about but how many of you remember remember the monkeys back how many remember the monkey walk well, they were doing that down the street, and I turned to my parents and said, where did you bring us? <laughs> but that was the beginning of and, this. And you liked me because of my car. I liked you, yeah, because she got her driver's license before me, and so that friendship meant I didn't have to walk to school every day. So, uh, yeah, and uh, here we are after all these years, and thank you so much. And love you, too. So, hold on a minute. They're going to sing happy birthday to you. Just turn around. She's got a medal waiting for her in heaven. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to present to you this weekend part one of a series that I believe is going to be very um, instrumental in shaping the way 2021 um, kind of rolls out for each and every one of us. I am praying that um, have been this week, that you would allow this teaching, and it, and it is a teaching this weekend. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay very close to my notes because I believe the information is extremely powerful because, you see, the power of God is revealed and manifest to us through the Word of God. Okay, without no Word, there's no power. So what I do want to start out 
in saying is that thank God no matter what conditions surround us, we can always trust the Lord to sustain us. Amen. Even in the worst of times. John chapter 16 verse 33 states, Jesus saying, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, and that's good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can I just, uh, can I have a couple of tissues, please? You know, the early church lived in extremely uncertain times as well. Thank you. I don't know if I need that many, but thank you. (laughs) The times that they lived in, if you'd study history, was extremely, extremely difficult. The uh, most oppressive government that had ever existed to that time was in power. Sin of every kind was not only tolerated, but encouraged. Pagan religions exerted influence over most of the community, the society. The people were taxed to death, and the people had no freedom. Against that backdrop, the Apostle Paul wrote, excuse me, the Apostle Peter wrote to the church, Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power. And I want you to pay attention to those words. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through those promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let me read that again to you from the passion paraphrase of that scripture, starting in verse 3. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. Remember those words again. For all of this has been lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come come to him excuse me, has given to you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we, we keep hearing that, promises and power divine nature, divine power that you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. So only through that power are we going to escape the corruption of this world. Amen? Amen? That divine power is in us, and we need to recognize it and learn to rely upon it as, if we, li- as we live this life of complete dependence upon God. It's the only way we're going to make it. You know, you realize that no- nobody gets out of this life alive, right? We're all walking the same path together. We're all having to um, seek out God, rely on Him, depend upon Him every day. And there's two major things we need to move, to move forward into this new year. You and I are going to need to depend on two major things, and that's found in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. Multiplied, not added. Multiplied to you. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, 
again in verse 3 as his divine power is given to us all things all things all things would you say that please all things everything you need everything i need to live life on this planet a life that brings glory to god a life that that brings blessing to others around us a life where we're not just going to survive but we're going to thrive all of that is found in the knowledge of him and i hope that you're holding on to that we need grace grace is the favor of god that 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 uh, in our lives that empowers us to do the things we can't do all right you listening grace grace is not just a band-aid to cover our sin grace is more spoken of in the word of god as tapping into the supernatural ability of god so that we don't fall into sin to begin with are you listening grace empowers us to do what we can't do in the natural and we definitely need peace and I'm, I'm, we definitely need peace and i don't mean peace the absence of violence or the absence of turmoil we need peace we need that shalom we need that state of everything in place nothing missing nothing broken amen, amen. wholeness amen. i'm gonna keep preaching amen. now you notice that both grace and peace are, tava- are, are tied to and connected to <laughs> his divine nature when you tap into his divine nature which is in us you walk in grace you walk in shalom you walk in wholeness amen Amen. so if we're going to live a life that's successful in 2021 it is going to be because we are completely dependent upon his divine power and listen to me all right i i don't want to stray from my notes too much because i've got a lot of of teaching to cover but listen to me when we speak of his divine nature, when we speak of his divine power, it's not something far away. It's in you already. If you're a believer, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you know that you're born again and the Spirit of God lives in you, and he is not just the Holy Spirit, he is the Holy Spirit, but he's the power of God. And he lives inside you. And he lives inside me. And he wants to come out. And he wants to be let loose. And he wants to be distributed to those that have never experienced him before. Amen? Amen. So we're going to see in this series that his divine power manifests in different ways. It's not just one type of divine power, but it's all the same source. Listen to this again in First in Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. My God, if he could write the end of all things was at hand 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we now? But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Of course, he's assuming that the church is praying. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another... Look at this, look at this, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What's he saying? The manifest glory of God through our lives is the manifold grace of God upon our lives. What's that definition of manifold? Manifold means numerous and varied. The above scripture speaks of the manifold grace of God, 
there is a whole revelation of God's manifold grace that if we only partake of one or two forms of that grace, then my power is limited to overcome this world. I'm going to say it again. The, the grace of God manifests in different ways. It's numerous and various. It's not just one way. But if we're only tied to one way of tapping into the grace of God, or if we're only aware of one type of the grace and the power of God, then we're missing out and we'll become limited in our ability to overcome the world. In other words, the more we're aware of the grace of God, the more we're aware of the power of God, the more we're aware of how it can manifest itself, how we can distribute it, how we can release it, then the more we overcome this world. Amen. Amen. The English Standard Version says this, serve one another, each according to the gift he has received, as good stewards. And we don't use that, that word a lot. We use it in church because it's part of our Christian dialect. But in everyday society, we don't use that word steward. We use a word maybe administrator, manager, distributor. A steward is one who distributes. A steward is one who oversees the administration of an organization, or in this case, the kingdom of God. So I want us to see, I want us to grasp the fact that grace and power are the same manifestation of the goodness of God toward us. Grace being the supernatural power of God, which we talked about already. And in 2021, it is the year that we become overcomers, not overcome. And we overcome in life through complete dependence on the power of God manifested by his grace. Now, let me explain to you here. This series that we're embarking on, this series that we are launching into, is actually the result of an opportunity that I had to minister to someone who has been dealing with a reoccurring battle, a reoccurring problem. It just seems to pop up from time to time. And in spending significant time in prayer for this individual, I came away from that time of prayer with a plan for this person. Later the next day, after ministering to this individual, I realized that what the Holy Spirit had given me was actually a series on how to live in 2021. It was amazing. I just said, so it all fall into place. It wasn't just for that person. It was for us. So I kept hearing, and I kept hearing from the Holy Spirit, return to, return to. And when I would hear return to, he would show me one more thing to return to. And then after I would meditate on that and ponder that and write that down, then I would hear, and return to this, and then return to the next thing, and return and return and return. And each time, the Holy Spirit would reveal one more form of God's power to return to in order to have victory. And I'm telling you, if you stick with me, this is going to make an impact on your life. One of the ways that the power of God manifests itself in the life of a believer is number one, which we're spending time this weekend on, the power of resistance. I want you to say that with me. The power of resistance. Maybe say it this way. The power of resistance. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, do it. You got hands, do it. The power of resistance. What does it mean to resist? To push back. Resistance is an often overlooked grace 
that God gives us. And when the power, listen, 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 listen. When the power to resist is overlooked, we become overcome. When we forget that we have the power to resist, we're overcome. When we forget that we actually have the power in us to push back, we are overcome. And the days of the church being overcome need to be over. Need to be over. We need to resist. We need to push back on the things that are trying to to, to bind us, the things that are trying to, to tie you up the things that are trying to hinder you, the things that are trying to rob you of your destiny, it's got to stop this year. Now listen, I recently came across a scripture that man just jumped off the page. I love when that happens. I love when the Holy Ghost just gives you like these spiritual binoculars and it just goes, woof. Isaiah chapter 50, verse four, listen to this. Listen to this. I believe this is from the Amplified Classic Version. The servant of God says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of a disciple, of one who is taught. Look at this, look at this. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is what? Weary. I'm going to read that again. Because I took this as personal. For our sake. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as a disciple, as one who is taught. I'm listening constantly. I'm listening constantly. I hope that you're doing the same thing. I am listening constantly. What are you saying, Lord? What are you speaking, Lord? What do you need to show us, Lord? What do we need to do, Lord? The responsibility of a pastor slash teacher is to bring the word, a message from the scripture that will impact, that will refresh, that will reinvigorate, that will inspire the weary. What makes people weary? Sin. I'll say it again, so your ears get used to hearing that word again. What makes people weary? Sin. Sin, whether it's ours or whether it's the sin of another that's affecting us. Sin wearies us. You might as well admit it. You might as well grasp it. You might as well get a hold of it. You might as well let it settle in. Sin wearies us. Sin tires us. Sin neutralizes us. Sin oppresses us. Whether it's your sin that you're personally responsible for or the sin of somebody that you're connected to, that you're just in it and it's affecting you. But it wearies us. It wearies us. We live in a society that's steeped in sin. So we're being affected. Whether it's our sin or not, we're being affected. Why? Because we're in a society that loves sin, that promotes sin. And we might as well get a hold of it. We might as well admit it is true. And stop making believe it's not there. It's there. This is a sinful world. Every source of information outside of the Word of God is intended to poison ungodliness, ungodly information that at its roots is sin-based. Lies, deception, manipulation, immorality is all looked upon as right. It's a right to be promoted. I have the right to sin. Well, that's what the world says. We have a right to sin. Who are you to point out my sin? It's killing you. It's ki- when we point it out, it's from the motive of it. It's killing you. 
It's not to condemn and it's not to judge. It's to point out it's killing you. Get out from under it and live and breathe again. Not only is it promoted, it's embraced. Murder of preborn, abuse of children is promoted as a right to be protected under law. Thievery, stealing, selfishness is commonly accepted as normal. And even though you might not be participating in it, it's affecting us. And the church needs to cry out. And the church needs to rise up. And the church needs to get its act together. Well, this is sin. And unobstructed sin wearies people. Our nation as a whole is weary. Even in the church, people are weary. We're weary about hearing the same old garbage over and over again. Now, temptation is a part of life. It's always going to be a part of life until they put you in a box surrounded by flowers. It's the only time that you and I are going to be free from temptation. You're always going to have temptation trying to affect your life. You might as well get used to it. Okay? Might as well get used to it. But to commit sin is to consciously do something that you know goes against God's will and against his laws. It is when you're tempted by the lust, by the desires that dwell in us, that we consciously agree to act on that temptation. At that time, it becomes sin. But in reality, every temptation is sin that we're able to overcome. It's an opportunity to overcome. Are you listening to me? Sin, you say, well, you know, pastor, I'm just overwhelmed. It's an opportunity to overcome. What we're forgetting is we have the power to do what? Push back, to resist, to resist. And some of us get into more condemnation because we're being tempted, even though we might not actually, we might not fall for it, but just because we're being tempted, we think, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I still being tempted? You want to know what's wrong with you? You're still alive. You're still breathing. You're still on this planet. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. And that enemy is not a person. That enemy, that enemy is an entity that's evil. You have what the Bible describes as the accuser of the brethren the deceiver, the liar, the murderer. He hates you because you're human. He hates you because when he sees you, he sees God. Understand that you have an enemy. Instead of walking around through life that you're getting punched and beaten and battered all around and you don't even know where it's coming from. You think it's the person next to you or in front of you or behind you or the one you left at home. You listening? With the word of God as our weapon, we can always resist that temptation. Remember what 2 Peter chapter 1 said. We have his divine nature in us through the knowledge of him. And listen, and for those of us, and I'm going to say us because we're all in it together. For those of us who are constantly facing one struggle or another, or one struggle after another, God has given us the power to resist. But it's only found in that life that's submitted to God. Listen to the letter that James wrote to the church. James, the brother of Jesus. He wrote a letter to give believers understanding of their relationship with God and the responsibilities that come with it. Did you catch that last part? 
we're, we're in love with the relationship with God. What we don't like is the responsibilities that come with it. Oh, well, pastor, isn't it all grace? Yeah, it's all grace. And God gives you the grace to live up to your responsibilities. You didn't, you didn't catch that. Maybe, maybe somebody at home caught that. Okay, yes, this relationship is all about grace. And he gives you that grace. And when we enter into that relationship by grace, okay, and that grace gives us the power then to live up to our responsibilities in that relationship. Do you understand, church, that we have responsibilities in this relationship? James chapter 4, verse 4. Starts out very encouraging. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Either one or the other. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, here, here it is, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. The humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There it is. But see, most people try to resist the devil without submitting to God. Your ability to resist the devil comes from you submitting to God first. Amen? I'm going to keep teaching. You jump in any way you want. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Who's got to do the first step here? We do. He says, you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, your hands and sinners, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, double-minded, double-minded. One day in the world, one day in the kingdom, one day in the world, one day in the kingdom. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Oh, pastor, this can't be the gospel. God just wants me to be happy. God just wants me to just skip through life happy and carefree. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Over what? Over our carnality? Over our love with the things of the world? Yeah, it gets quiet when you talk about this kind of stuff. That's okay. Like my wife always tells me on the way home, no, you don't understand. We're just listening. <laughs> Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? Exalt you. Exalt you. We want the exalting. We don't want to do the humbling. We want the limelight, but we don't want to do the submission. We want to go up. We don't understand that the way up is the way down. We don't want to, we don't want to admit the fact that it's true what the Scripture says. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. The only one way to get through this 2021, it's going to have to be resisting sin submitting to God tapping into his divine nature living our life according to the word not according to our opinions not according to our feelings are you listening 
Well, the way I see it, I'm sorry, I don't want to be harsh, but I don't really care the way you see it. Neither, neither should you care the way I see it. What only concerns us should be the word of God and what, how he sees it and what he wants. Remember, we talked about Proverbs 3 a lot the past few weeks. And, and in connection and in relation to this scripture, I remind you of Proverbs 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Your whole framework gets strengthened. So James is telling us that we have a responsibility to resist sin. All sin, he says, is a result of loving the ways of the world more than loving God. And we might not want to admit it, but I'll tell you what. Think about this. You know what's in your house. You know how you live. Now imagine if Jesus showed up at your front door. How much and how fast would you have to scatter and get through that house and hide things? Come on now. Come on now. He warns that loving the world will cause us to cheat on the Lord. When you're in love, come on, come on, come on. We need this. Every once in a while, you got to eat some broccoli. Every once in a while, you got to eat some spinach. You can't eat cupcakes every day. This is good for us. We need this. Just like, you know, you'll, you'll go home and you'll eat them big horse pills, supplements, you know, because, you, you know, I got to take my supplements. They taste horrible. You choke on them when you're, when you're swallowing them, but they help you, right? Every once in a while, we need the horse pills of the Lord. He warns us that love in the world is going to cause us to cheat on the Lord. He uses the word adulterers. You don't even hear that word too much anymore. Well, it's just a fling. No. Mm -mm. Adultery. He's talking about here in a spiritual sense. If you say you're going to be dependent on God, you say you're going to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all that is within you, you can't have a mistress on the side. I'm talking about the miss. I'm talking about that mistress being the world. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's no clubbing on Saturday night and then loving the Lord on Sunday morning. Oh, he went there. So, how are we going to tap into this power of resistance? It's going to be by keeping ourselves submitted to the Lord. That's right. Amen. Now, since he's the source of all divine power, and I'm trying to stay real close to my notes here because, man, I can go off in a bunch of directions right now. But I promised, I promised God I was going to stay close to my notes. Since he is the source of this divine power, it is only common sense that we need to stay connected to the source of that power to resist. And that source of that power is the word of God. Trusting in the power of his promises. Now, I've had this question asked to me many, many times, especially individuals. Well, exclusively from individuals that are constantly suffering in cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle of addiction, of sin, of immorality. 
Pastor, is it always going to be this way? If I'm always dealing with the same sin, if I'm always falling for the same temptation, what does that mean? And I tell you, pondering that question, the Lord gave me an awesome illustration. I had never seen it this way before. And I hope you hold on to this. Everyone has something that they will always have to be in battle preparedness over. Every one of us. I don't care who you are. Every one of us has an area of life that we need to constantly stay on top of. It's always waiting behind for us to turn around. For some, it might, it might require physical maintenance, maybe it's some kind of a physical condition. Some are going to have to always avoid certain types of food. We live in a sinful world. Certain conditions they will need to be on top of. With some, it's pride. With some, it's fear. It does not mean that they never have victory. The question is, do I have to live this way the rest of my life? And in pondering this whole thing, God showed me a picture of a garden. Every garden has weeds as well as vegetables and fruit. You don't go out to the garden and pick the weeds once and they're done. You pick them, you pluck them out as they pop up so that you protect, you protect the produce, you protect the fruit that you're trying to produce. Every one of us are living in that kind of a garden. And so, but the enemy would come and say, well, there's weeds again. Yeah. I see them. Pluck them out. Next week I come back out, guess what? There's weeds again. What do we do? Do we say, oh, forget this garden? Do we curse the fruit? No. We keep our eyes on the fruit. We don't keep our eyes on the weeds. There's always, turn to somebody and say, there's always going to be weeds. And you're always going to have to pluck them out. Because if you don't, the weeds will overtake the fruit. You listen? <laughs> Keep on plucking. So in studying for this series, I came across a whole list of ways scripture that empowers us to resist temptation because you know i'm assuming here that either online or, or here in person that we have some people that might deal with temptations once in a while don't no, not me pastor no of course not not you but you're here to learn so that you can teach somebody else who's not as spiritual as you are to take this one thing we got to settle in our hearts you see, because you can't go into this battle already in guilt and condemnation. Amen. Temptation doesn't become sin until you agree with it. Amen. Temptation does not become sin until you agree with it. So the way of resistance is the way of escape. Resist temptation and be an overcomer. James chapter 1 verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. See, now, now, now let's correct something here. All right. Well, pastor, you know, the devil just set me up. The devil made me do it. No, the scripture says here, we're led away by our own desires. Now, once the enemy knows those desires, he'll make sure that you get set up. He is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. 
Then when desire has conceived, so there's a conception process here. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Now, can I address something here for about 20 seconds? Because there's no use me going any further. Would you stop referring to your sin as an issue? Would you stop referring to your sin as a sickness? You see, I'm going to tell you why. A great man of God delivered this revelation to me many years ago. Until you call your sin, sin, it doesn't qualify for the grace of God. If you're going to keep calling it a sickness, if you're going to keep calling it an issue, a weakness, my problem, call it sin. God knows it's sin. Devil knows it's sin. You might as well acknowledge it. And then this way it qualifies. You listening? It qualifies for the grace of God. Because I sense in my spirit, some are sitting here and some may be online saying, well, I don't, I don't sin. I just have an issue. I don't sin. I just have baggage. I don't sin. I just have. And therefore, you're blowing this teaching off. And you're going to find yourself one day in a pit. So when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death so so we can stop the conception process by understanding mechanics of sin we can short circuit the temptation before it becomes full-blown sin now well as soon as you know that you're starting as soon as you catch yourself starting to think on a path that's going to take you into something that is completely out of god's will get a hold of it become aware of your thoughts don't walk around like a dummy Become aware of your thoughts. Now, I'm not saying become paranoid. What I'm saying is do an inventory once in a while, especially when you're doing things that don't really require much energy or attention or thought. Start realizing. What am I thinking? When you catch yourself starting to think about something, someone, in a way that you shouldn't be, stop it. Well, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not easy for me to say because I'm in it too. I got to do the same thing you do. But what I found is this. When I become alert, now I got a choice. You see, we're going to cover a scripture that says he gives us a way of escape. That way of escape is about a second and a half. When that thing pops up on your computer screen, on your phone, on whatever device you're using, you've got about a second and a half to decide. What am I going to do with this? Am I going to just follow this path? Am I going to keep clicking? Am I going to see what else is? Am I going to go on the website? Come on. If you can't talk about that stuff in church, where are you going to talk about it? Become an epidemic in our society. Complete epidemic. You've got to catch it while it's still a thought. You catch it in the conception stage. You kill it on the spot so it doesn't give birth to full-blown sin. I don't care what sin you've ever fallen for. You could always trace it back to a split-second choice that you had. You start thinking evil about somebody. You catch yourself. You start thinking more of yourself than you should be. You catch yourself. You listening? You fill in the blank. I don't know what you're dealing with. I got enough of my own. (laughs) Be alert to what you're thinking about. Put your thoughts on the Lord. Remember a favorite scripture. When you start getting hit with with stuff, 
When you start getting hit in your thought life, to start thinking about sexual immorality or, or, or just thinking evil about someone or revenge against someone or unforgiveness and all this other kind of stuff, start go, just recite your favorite scripture. Sing your favorite worship song. Well, what if I'm in the crowd? Then sing it to yourself because probably nobody wants to hear you. Pray in the Spirit. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important right now, so vitally important right now. There is no way that a Christian is going to be able to make it in this life just being born again. So, well, oh, Pastor, you're saying that Jesus' blood is not enough? No, you said that. I didn't say that. I said that. I'll say this, though. Jesus said that there's a secondary experience for every one of us to have. You see, because you see, being born again prepares me to, for heaven, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit prepares me for here on earth. Amen. I'm not prepared for on earth here. Being born again prepares my spirit for heaven. Okay? But being baptized in the Holy Ghost, the power of God, prepares me, equips me for life on this cursed planet. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Say that again. Say it again. Say it one more time. He's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. I just, couldn't, I just couldn't bear it, Pastor. It was just the temptation was too strong for me. Well, you're telling me that you think God's a liar. Because this scripture says nothing's coming to you that you're not able to bear up under. And in every time, look at this, and will also make the way of escape that you may be able to, to bear it. You'll be able to endure it. You'll be able to go through it without becoming a casualty. Are you listening? Yes. Use the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the strength that you need to resist the temptation until the end. Galatians chapter 5. I hope you're writing these down. Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh are natural desires, uh, lust against the Spirit. They're always fighting. We're always in a fight. Our fleshes want to do one thing. Our spirit wants to do another thing. And these are contrary to one another. So, do you do, so you do not do the things that you wish. He's saying here, more times than not, you're going to do the things that you don't want to do unless you start walking in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. You recognize an area that's a source of sin for you, you go and find out what God says about it. Get God's Word in your heart. Amen? Amen. Psalm 119.11, I'm just going to start rattling this off to you. Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where has it got to be hidden? Where has it got to be deposited? And it, it's not, here the word in the original language is not hidden away from sight. It's treasured. It's stored up. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, or we would say today in modern language, the tricks of the devil. Amen. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man cleanse, cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Think about this. We're talking again. Remember, we're talking about resistance. We're talking about resisting sin. We're not, we're too, the church has too, gotten too tolerant of sin because we know we can always go back and God's always going to forgive us and he's already forgiven us all our sins and therefore we've taken the edge 
off of resistance because he's such a loving God. He's my daddy. And that's all we want to see is daddy. What you don't understand is daddy is also the king of the universe. Daddy is the almighty one. Daddy is the all just one. Amen. I'll say amen if you want to say amen. amen. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what are we going to do? We've got to get to the place where we love Jesus more than our sin. More than the thing that we constantly want to jump into. My God, is anybody listening? You've got to see yourself in the fork in the road constantly. Because, yeah, the truth is you can do whatever you want to do if you want to. Or you can choose Jesus. And every single time, if you're in that place in your life where you have that kind of a thing going on, where you're constantly struggling with something, constantly falling into something, dear God, make Jesus bigger than that thing. Paul said, yes, indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as garbage. What did he do? He took the things that were less valuable in life and he put them in the category of rubbish. In the original language, it says dung. Do I have to explain to you what dung is? Okay. He said, that's what I consider everything else in comparison to knowing my Lord and my Savior. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, you notice how most of this stuff is all aimed at men? It's all aimed at men. Nah, let's be honest with each other. Men are more motivated by our eyesight. We're more motivated by what we see. We're more motivated by what we feel. Okay? But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. You flee the sin, you pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Let's be honest with each other. I'm going to keep teaching. In order to resist sin, you may have to walk away from some things. Oh, did he have to say that? Yeah, yeah. In order to resist sin... You may have to walk away from some things and you may have to walk away from some relationships. You may need to shift your attention off the world and onto Jesus. Somebody once said, you're looking for somebody, you're looking for a relationship. You're looking for a lifetime relationship. Find somebody who is more in love with Jesus than they are you. Find somebody that's going to put Jesus first before you. But Pastor, you don't understand. He t- I'm the whole world to him. Dump him right now. Dump him right now. He'll suck the life out of you. You got to see the sin that you're tempted to, to commit as worthless, ugly, and destructive. It's sin is destructive. There is no redeeming quality to sin. Finally, I want to go to Colossians chapter 3. Man, God's had me in this Colossians chapter 3 for years now. Verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Anybody in here have been raised with Christ? Anybody in here? Just a few people. Anybody in here already been raised with Christ? You're born again. His spirit lives in you. 
then, this, then you qualify for this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. You see, we have the ability to set our mind on things. He said, set them on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here comes the good news. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And a real more accurate translation says the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, not on us. You used to walk in these things in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. You know why he had to split that up like that? Because many of us go, okay, well, I'm not being sexually immoral. I'm not being an idolater. Yeah, but are you constantly losing your temper? Are you constantly having fits of rage? Are you constantly showing malice to others, slandering others, filthy language? from your lips do not lie to each other oh there's a good one since you have t- taken off your old self with its practices and have put on put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator he's saying you have a responsibility to put off and to put on God's not going to dress you in the morning you got to dress you in the morning now, he might point some things out and say, I don't want you wearing this anymore. I don't want you clothing with, it, with yourself with this anymore. But the truth of the matter is we've got to be aware of our wardrobe on a regular basis. We put off the old man. We put on the new man. Amen? So, resistance. The power to avoid sin. And because we live in a world where sin is not only tolerated but celebrated... A world where lying, cheating, stealing, and deception is widespread. We need to learn how to keep ourselves clean in the midst of a sinful generation that hates God and all that he stands for. It's time for us to clean our act up. It's time for us to become resensitized on the inside. It's time for us to start taking an inventory and say, what have I been tolerating lately? Listen, listen. Now, I've been born again for 36 years now. Some of you in here have been longer than that. And you could think of things that you would have never tolerated back then that now sometimes we don't even pay attention to. Irreverence in the church. Lack of respect for one another. Lack of reverence for the things of God. And then we wonder why we're powerless sometimes. We wonder why we pray and those prayers, they pancake, they just bam. And we want to blame God. No. Get resensitized, church. Get resensitized. That's the Holy Spirit to make you sensitive again. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're to be a light. We're to be the salt. We're to bring flavor and preservation. We're supposed to be a light in the darkness. Amen. Now listen. Every one of us is born a sinner. Everyone. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Every one of us. 
We have no right to sit there and go, I'm a much better person than that one and this one and the other. No, it doesn't matter how much better you are. You're still a sinner. Without Christ, without being born again, without the blood of Jesus cleansing us, we're still sinners. And a sinner needs a Savior. A sinner cannot save himself or herself. And so I want to give an invitation at the end of this message. If anyone in here has never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know about Him, you might believe in Him, but you've never declared with your mouth what you believe in your heart. You've never sealed that deal. You've never sealed that relationship between you and Him. There's others. They need to receive prayer. You need to pray. A prayer of repentance. A prayer from the heart that says, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to keep falling into this pit. I don't want to keep falling into this trap. I need you, God. I need your power. I need your help. And finally, at the end, when we're done praying, those of you that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God upon your life. I pray that you would not sleep, you would not rest until you receive that. He is way more willing to baptize you than you are to receive that. Jesus is the baptizer, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you'll enter into a completely new, different, more powerful dimension of your relationship with God like you have never experienced before. There's a reason why Jesus told his disciples not to leave that place that they were in in Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father. You can go read in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 what happened that day. When the, when the disciples, already born again, already forgiven of sins, already washed by the blood of Jesus, but Jesus said, don't go out and do anything until you receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yet so many people venture out into the world, born again, going to heaven, but completely unprepared for what the devil is doing on this earth. I pray that you would consider receiving that. There'll be people here. Those of you that are online, you can reach out. Some will contact you somehow, some way. You have that desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The power of God will make sure that you have an opportunity. But I want us to pray prayer, what we call the prayer of salvation. It's really a declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you that are online have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to join us. Let's say this together. Father, Father I, believe I believe with all of my heart, of my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. Son of God. I, believe I believe that he died on the cross, on the cross for, my for my sin and that God raised him from the dead and that he's alive right now. So Jesus, I ask you, be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you for making me a child of God. Thank you for paying for my sins. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon those that are watching us online. And then we'll continue here. In prayer. 
Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that everyone that's watching this right now, God, right in this instant, right now, right now, you're right here and you're right now, God. I pray your blessing upon every household. I pray safety and protection. I pray healing, Father, and divine health. I curse every sickness and disease in these households, Father. I pray, God, the truth of your word that by the stripes on Jesus' back, we were healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.